We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Justin, where I get the joy of walking you through the Thunder's 121-92 to shellacking at the hand of the Memphis Grizzlies. Before I dive into that joyful, joyful game, I want to let you know that we are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore uncontested and Facebook at the uncontested podcast. Okay, guys, that was probably the most fun part of the podcast, so we got that out of the way early. Um, Not the best game. I think you're all aware of that. If you're listening to this, you're probably aware of that. Listen, I was looking forward to today. Since the hiatus, this is my first post-game podcast back. Uh, I was uh, excited. (laughs) I was excited to be hosting again. Uh, Then the second quarter started, and my excitement went away. And I don't know what it is, but I feel like I get to host a lot of these blowout losses, and they're not the best. Thankfully, Oklahoma City has not really had a ton of these this season. It's one of the most fun things about this team you know in the past it seemed like any given night could be a night where this team just came out and completely crapped the bed 
but for whatever reason this season, that hasn't really happened. I looked back, and other than tonight losing by 29 points, which is obviously not great, the only other two games that kind of fit in that same territory was that random road loss at Indiana where they lost by 26, and then the absolute uh, massacre in Milwaukee, as I like to call it, where they got destroyed by the Bucks. Other than that, every game's been within reach. Every game has been relatively close, and that's been one of the most refreshing things out of this team, which makes today's game that much harder to fathom. Uh, it's hard to put into words what Oklahoma City looked like, especially when you factor in that the first quarter was great and the first half was even pretty good. The second quarter, obviously not as good as the first. Uh, so let's get into this and kind of what went wrong and where. Oklahoma City came out swinging. Uh, they hit three after three after three after three after three after three in the first quarter. And after the Lakers game the other night, that was like a breath of fresh air. I jokingly said that maybe Oklahoma City got all their misses out against L.A. Um, boy, was I wrong. Uh, they had plenty more. They had plenty more saved in the bank for tonight. But they came out swinging. And they looked hot. The defense was not great, but Memphis wasn't hitting shots, so it led to a 12-point lead after the first quarter. Oklahoma City looked like they were in great position. The Memphis Grizzlies coming into this game were 0-4 in the bubble. The team that was kind of hot and everybody thought was a lock to get the 8 seed, they probably still are a lock to at least get in that you know tiebreaker scenario, but 0-4 to start out in the bubble, whereas Oklahoma City's looked pretty good. They're a, you could argue, they're a foul call or a made free throw away from beating Denver and being undefeated in the bubble. But boy, oh boy, once that second quarter started, the narrative flipped on its head. Oklahoma City goes over nine minutes, almost nine and a half minutes, scoring five points in that stretch. I think six of those minutes, the team was scoreless. So after dropping 37 in the first quarter, they go through a massive dry spell, and Memphis takes over, and they don't really look back after that. Uh, It was rough. It was rough to watch through that stretch, if not for a crazy play to end the first half where Gallo hit a three, Chris Paul stole the inbounds and hit another three at the buzzer, scoring six points in the matter of like four and a half seconds. Other than that, uh, Oklahoma City looks pretty abysmal in that quarter. Instead, because of that little shenanigan, Oklahoma City goes into halftime down three. All things considered, not terrible. The problem was uh, they only got worse from there. They scored 37 points in the first quarter, like I mentioned. Um, They only scored 32 in the entire second half. 32 points in the entire second half after 37 in the first quarter. And they gave up 38 points to Memphis in the second and 32 points to Memphis in the third quarter. So there's so many things wrong here. It's not just the offense that was awful. It's not just that they couldn't hit shots. It's that the other end of the floor was not there at all. And that you just, you can't win games like that. If shots aren't falling, you can make up for it with good defense. I think Billy Donovan even alluded to that in his post-game comments. You can get past that with good defense. The problem was the defense was abysmal. Probably the worst defensive performance we've seen top to bottom. There wasn't really anybody who played good defense today. I think you could maybe start to get there with Dort, but as a whole, the whole team looked so out of sorts that I don't even feel like I can give Dort a good grade. Oklahoma City was outscored by 102 to 55. 102 to 55 after they built an 18-point lead early on in the game. 102 to 55. That speaks to a failure on both ends of the floor. 
the offense wasn't hitting shots, sure, but you got to pick it up on the other end. And it was it was everybody. Like I mentioned, there there wasn't anybody who can can come off of this game looking blameless. Uh, it was bad rotations. It was not communicating on screens. The Grizzlies were punishing the Thunder in the pick and roll. They've got to be smarter than that. They've got to look out for screens. They've got to fight over screens. They've got to communicate when they're switching. And they, they weren't doing any of that. I thought Shea in particular showed some really bad stretches on defense where he looked like the second the, the screener made contact with him, he just kind of wilted. He showed no desire to fight through the screen. He didn't look like he wanted to get around it. He didn't communicate. It was just like the second he felt contact, he just kind of died. And he wasn't alone in that. That was consistent across the team. And that's how you get outscored 102 to 55 over a stretch. You look at the box score and it's not pretty. Everyone on the Thunder is a negative tonight in plus minus, except for Gallinari, who was a plus four. Um, really the only person, like I mentioned, that I think you could give an okay grade to is Lou Dort. Lou Dort came out scorching hot. Uh, he hit three threes in the first quarter. I believe he was four or five from three on the night, 16 points, six of nine from the floor. Outside of that though, I mean, not a lot of excitement. Chris Paul had 17 points on six of 12, not a bad night by any means. Gallinari, 12 points on five of 10. That's okay too. Shea Gilgis Alexander. 10 points on three of 13. That's rough. I think you combine that with his defensive effort tonight. And I think you can make an argument for this being the worst game for Shea in his Oklahoma City Thunder tenure. That That's not exciting. Um, especially given some of the comments we had coming into this game. We had a great Twitter question on this from at JD underscore Brown nine, who asked, was the, Shea took a big step during the hiatus talk, a little bit premature. He's had some great moments during the bubble, but also some pretty bad ones. The last couple games in particular um, have been tough to swallow if you're watching Shea Gilgis Alexander. And I think there's a handful of possibilities as to why that is, but I want to address your question head on first before we get into that. Was that talk unwarranted? I can't answer that question because I haven't seen what he's done in the practice sessions and the training camp. That's where all those comments were coming from. He came back and he looked different. And that's what the players and coaches were responding to. I think you can see it in his frame. It looks like he put on some muscle. And we talked a lot about this hiatus being as long as off seasons for a lot of guys. And I think that's a big part of it. He put on some muscle. He came back a little more bulked up. He looked like a third year guy instead of a second year guy, which makes a lot of sense. But I don't know. Uh, I, he's definitely struggled. I don't think you can say that it, it's unwarranted. I think that he he's had some rough stretches. And that's where I want, I want to address the second part of your question. And we actually had another question on the Discord from Iku. Eku? I'm sorry. I'm probably butchering that. But it's a great question. He asked, what do you think is causing Shea to struggle the last two games? So getting specifically to it. Um, I think that Dennis Schroeder is the elephant in the room. Schroeder leaving the bubble to rightfully be there for his child's birth, I think is causing the change. The rotations have shifted in Schroeder's absence. I think what Shea is being asked to do, he's being asked to handle the ball a little bit more than he was when Schroeder was there. I think the dynamics of Shea playing alongside Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder a lot are obviously a lot different for him than if he's only playing with Chris or if he's out there kind of running a unit by himself. And I think that's tough. I think that's an adjustment, and I don't think we can 
can throw him out to pasture after two games of that experiment. I think we have to grant him some adjustment period. Uh, and that's what you want out of these seeding games. Do you want to get shellacked by the Memphis Grizzlies who hadn't won a bubble game? Probably not. Um, but I think overall it's good experience for him because ultimately he's going to have the ball more in this team moving forward. Maybe not this season, but into next and the one after that, that's going to be more of his role. So he needs to get comfortable with it. I don't know if you can blame it all on that. I do think there's something about the bubble that's just weird. It's a different arena environment. It's not the big, you know, people feel filled arena. It's a smaller scale. It almost probably feels more like you're playing in a high school gym or a small college gym or something like that than it does an NBA arena. I think some of that's probably tough to get used to. Um, I do like his aggressiveness of trying to get to the line. He wasn't as aggressive as that at that today, but I kind of just feel like the thunder as a whole, we're not being very aggressive about getting to the line. Only 15 free throws today after what felt like a free throw bonanza against the Lakers. And Hey, I'm not honestly complaining about that because I've been sick of hearing the whistle in the bubble. So this was a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air. I think Shea just needs to get more confident running a unit without Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder by his side. And that'll come with experience. You can't rush that. I think that there's going to be bumps along the way. It's not always going to be pretty, but I think he'll get there. And I'm hoping that this experience will be valuable so that when Dennis Schroeder is back, hopefully around time for the playoffs, uh, Shea's kind of gone through this learning curve and is hopefully kind of finding a groove a little bit that he can use and apply to when he is playing alongside those guys. Before we move on, I want to tell you about our sponsors for the evening. The first one, tonight's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE and receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I also want to ask, have you guys ever heard of DealDash.com? Well, it's actually the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price that you would never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, even cars. So here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code UNCONTESTED or DealDash.fm slash UNCONTESTED. That's DealDash.fm slash UNCONTESTED. So now back to the game. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go through some questions. You guys are fabulous. You always send us great questions. Uh, I appreciate that, especially on a game like tonight where I honestly just want to sit here and whine for 25 minutes, but instead I'm going to give you what you want. So thank you again for the questions. We had another question from Agatha Maximo. I hope I said that right. Shout out our Brazil listeners. Adams is way more important than we imagine, huh? And if so, 
Does it justify the $25 million contract? The Adams piece is a huge piece of this loss. I think not having Stephen Adams today can most be absorbed if you look at Jonas Valanciunas' stat line tonight. 8 of 11 from the floor, 19 points, 11 rebounds, and if you watch the game, his impact was palpable. Other than when Lou Dort almost put him in the hospital for a moment, um, Jonas was un- unstoppable. Uh, he dominated this game, and it was evident that he was overmatching Nerland's Noel. And that's no uh, dig at Noel necessarily. I think Noel does a lot of good things well, but he didn't have a great night against Jonas tonight. And I think that was a big piece of the Grizzlies kind of putting it to the thunder is they were not able to get that strong inside presence. The rebounding battle tonight, yikes, 36 for the thunder, 58 for the Grizzlies. Uh, <laughs> that's the Steven Adams effect. I also think that's the overall energy effect. Like I mentioned, nobody's coming out of this spotless, but Steven Adams makes a huge impact in that department, whether or not he's the one pulling in the rebounds we've seen before. He does enough to box guys out and clear up a lane for other people to get rebounds and go push the break that his absence was absolutely felt. You can debate the dollars and cents, 25 million, all you want. I think Steven Adams is a crucial uh, component of this team. And I don't know that we're looking at this game the same way does if he plays tonight at Savage Nene 1999 asks, why isn't Gallo getting more minutes? This is a fascinating question as well. I mentioned Gallo had an okay night. Uh, he was pretty decent. He was the only player that was a plus minus tonight. Not that you can always take away a ton from individual game plus minuses, but still it's noteworthy. He only played 19 minutes. Compare that to 27 from Baisley, 23 from Diallo, 27 from Noel, 28 from Chris Paul, 30 from Lou Dort. It's a little bit surprising. Uh, I think that there's a number of factors that have to go into that. One that you, you can't ignore with this game is the garbage time that came at the end. This game was over, and it was obvious that the Thunder were out of it, and they got seeded earlier. The starters got seated earlier. And so that that's understandable. Um, I think that it's, it's interesting to me though, because it didn't, it felt like he went through a really long stretch earlier in the game where he was on the bench while the thunder were kind of flailing. And I actually was sitting there watching the game thinking like, come on, Billy, put Danilo in. They needed that scoring punch. He's such an underrated scorer in this league. I felt like they really could have used him at stretches. I don't know what exactly is driving that. I don't think it's an injury or anything, but there is a part of me that wonders, like, is it a conditioning thing? Um, It's not like his minutes have been drastically off while we've been in the bubble. I mean, he played, I think, like 29 minutes against the Nuggets. So it's not like he's not getting minutes overall, but uh, for whatever reason, he's maybe not getting a, a ton at times where it seems like he should. I don't know if that's Billy experimenting using these seeding games to kind of feel things out and try different lineups heading into the playoffs. Regardless, I think Gallo, again, is a crucial piece of this team. He's a crucial scorer. He's a guy that can go get you a bucket when you need one. And there was lots of times today where the Thunder needed a bucket. And I think they could have used a little bit more aggressiveness out of Danilo Gallinari. At Zowific asks, a loss is a loss is a loss. But how much of this win reflects a team fighting for its play survival, playing a team secure in their playoff appearance? I think that's absolutely important for the Grizzlies. Um, I think the Grizzlies, like I mentioned, 0-4 in the bubble up to this point. Not great 
when you're trying to hang on to the eighth seed and the NBA has really kind of invited any team to challenge you and take you into that play-in tournament, they needed a win bad. They needed to turn things around. They were not supposed to be 0-4 at this point. I think the motivation was absolutely there. I kind of think, you know, sometimes you see an injury galvanize a team. Losing Triple J, I think, hurts a little bit. And I think it probably motivated them to come out and, and put the hurt on the thunder. And that's absolutely what they did. I take a little bit of issue with the second part of your question. The thunder are secure in their playoff appearance. Sure. They're going to make the playoffs. They're, they don't have to worry about a play in tournament or anything like that. But my goodness, look at the Western conference standings. I mean, the thunder had a chance. I say had, cause I don't know if it's still there now, but had a chance to be the three seed. What's tough right now is the three seed is no more advantageous than the six seed, which is where the Thunder currently find themselves after today's loss because there's no home court advantage. So the whole, the whole jockeying for seeding position is going to be really fascinating, especially as we come into the back half of the seeding games of do you see teams start to tank to drop to six that may have normally tried to make a push for three. I, it's going to be tough to, I think, plan your playoff opponent because of that. There, there won't be as clear cut of a path of, okay, this is how the Thunder can get matched up with Utah. I think there's a lot more ambiguity that's going to happen. So I don't know that I think of the Thunder as being secure by any means because I think there are teams that they probably want to avoid, which is a great segue to our next question. Uh, at Kieran, uh, Kieran in the discord. If you're not on the boomtown hoops discord, you should check it out. It's been a blast during games and we get lots of fun questions. Kieran asks how confident, <laughs> wow. Uh, prepubescent voice crack. Sorry, everyone. How confident are you that we can beat the rockets if we're at full strength come playoffs? I'm not confident in that. Uh, I don't, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to see the rockets. I'm going to put it out there. I know some people, maybe think the Rockets are a good playoff matchup. I do not. I think on any given day, the Thunder can beat the Rockets. Beating a team in a game and beating them in a series is totally different. And when you go up against a team that has James Harden and Russell Westbrook, beating them in a seven-game series, beating them four times out of seven games is tough. Those two guys can explode and can complement each other, and any one of those on any given night can beat you. So if you're telling me that out of seven games, both of those guys are not going to be able to beat you either one or both together four times, I think that's tough. They're not a perfect team. I would not be surprised to see the Rockets get bounced in the first round. I would not be surprised to see the Rockets make the Western Conference Finals. There's just They're kind of an enigma, and it depends on the night, and it depends on who they're playing, and it depends on how things go of who they are as a team but they have enough weapons to scare me if I'm the Thunder. The only team that I think I like the Thunder's chances against is Utah. I think Utah without Bojan, uh, I mean, the, the Oklahoma City dominated them the first game in the bubble. Do I think that's what happens in a seven-game series? Absolutely not. We've seen enough Thunder basketball over the years to know that that's not how that works. But I really like how Oklahoma City matches up against them because of their strength in the mid-range game, especially led by Chris Paul. That's Utah's biggest weakness. Gobert can shut down the paint, but they don't depend defend the mid-range well. Oklahoma City could tear them up in the mid-range. I'd even I even think I would take Denver over Houston just because Denver doesn't seem to have that level of explosiveness. 
they, they don't have the ability to just kind of bury you like Houston does. Again, it's such a coin flip with Houston, but I think I would tend to want the, the safer opponent, even if they might be a slightly better team than Houston, who's such a kind of a powder keg that could go off at any moment. Last question, also from the Boomtown Hoops Discord, from Rare, who asks, is there a positive spin to this loss? Uh, a fitting place to end. I think the positive spins are this. Uh, you had a great first quarter. Lou Dort's awesome. Lou Dort uh, brings the energy. He was all over the place on both ends of the floor in the first quarter. I think he's con- continued to show a lot of potential. He got like Patrick Beverly levels of under the skin of Dylan Brooks tonight, which you, you love to see it. I think you'd like to see it for three more quarters, probably. <laughs> um, but no, I'm staying positive. Positives are Thunder get to play the Wizards next. That's a pretty big positive. Um, they should be able to get a win against the Wizards. It'll be the first game they play against a non-playoff team. So that's good. Um, I would normally say they get to play the Suns after that, but my goodness, the Suns might be the best team in the bubble. So I'm not sure that's a good thing anymore. Other positives. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has a cute baby. Dennis Schroeder has a lightning bolt in his hair. Dennis Schroeder has been working out while he's with his wife. I think Dennis Schroeder is going to be back in the bubble in time for the playoffs and is going to help this team immensely. I think Steven Adams is going to be back soon and help this team immensely. I hope Mike Muscala is out of concussion protocol soon and will help this team immensely. I think SGA will not have two of his worst games in his career in an Oklahoma City uniform in a row. I expect Shea to bounce back. I don't know if he needs to uh, find his center of gravity now that he lost the braids or what it is, get a new pair of Converse kid, figure it out. Uh, I think I think he has a bounce back game in his future. I think Darius Baisley has shown us some flashes. Uh, I think he he's continued to take a little bit of a leap in the bubble. Obviously, uh, 4-14 tonight. Team low minus 23. Not ideal. But I think if you want some, some positives to focus on moving forward, I think you can look at Darius Baisley as a potential positive. That's all I got. Uh, there's honestly just not a ton of positives from this game. It was a bad game. Uh, but you can have bad games. You can afford to have bad games. And the Thunder haven't had many games like this this season. And when they have, they have typically bounced back. They've been aberrations. They've not turned into losing streaks or skidding. And I don't expect it to now in the bubble either. I think that it, it's a bad game. You put it aside and move on. They're going to have a great opportunity to bounce back against the Wizards, who are just the Eastern Conference consolation prize in the bubble. I think they will do that and gear up for the juggernaut Suns. After that, we're on the home stretch. Four games left in the bubble before the playoffs begin. It's hard to believe it's already half over. Hopefully the second half is as fun as the first because this last week and a half has been an absolute blast. It's like March Madness if the basketball were actually good. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for checking out the podcast tonight. If you're new here, we do post-game pods after every single game, just like this one, shorter, solo host. We take lots of questions. Make sure to send them to us on Twitter or in the Boomtown Hoops Discord. And then look out on Monday mornings for our larger, longer, more in-depth group pod. We get the whole gang together. We dive deep into the week that was and the week ahead. We have a lot of fun. And it's great. You should check it out. So whether it's the post-game pods or the weekly group pod, make sure you hit that subscribe button so the podcast is always available in your feed as soon as it drops. 
Thanks again for checking out the podcast. And as always, Thunder Up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.